0: Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. All right, Leland, it's getting closer to high school football time. And I think one of the things that we got to touch on before we get to Patrick Kite's uh, five burning questions, or I can't remember how it was titled, but five questions we have with the upcoming season. Maybe, um, let's talk about your school, Riverheads, um, yeah, they're going to be appealing the decision to go to class two.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, I don't know who's part of those decisions. Um, you know, administration, I'm sure in coordination with um, you know, the administration for the county. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, they have the right to do that. And um hey, it's within the rules. There's there's ways of going about it, and they're doing that. I I was fine with them in class two. I think from the mindset that I always have of when they're one of the bigger schools in class one and in football having so much success, I always say, hey, the numbers put them where they put them. And so I'm fine with them being in class one. If the numbers put them in class two, then fine. I'm fine with class two, so I'm fine. I hope there's a little meat to to why they're appealing. I hope there's like a numbers disparity or the way that they're counting juniors to freshmen instead of seniors through freshmen there's some kind of impact from that. I hope there's like some kind of reason um, other than um, just preferring class one because I think we've had so much success in class one, particularly in football, but also in a lot of other sports at Riverheads. And I say we, uh, you know, any new listeners, I'm, I'm a Riverheads alum and I'm a homer. Um, you know, I I think we've had a lot of success there. I look at some of those spring runs, particularly the girls' soccer. I'm not trying to single them out. And hey, they're one of the best Girls soccer teams in Class A awesome. but it does feel a little tough when they're like over on the season or you know not not many wins on the season and, and dead last in the district and then all of a sudden you know they're in the, in the region championship game just for showing up. Um, and then they win it and so credit them. I'm not trying to take anything away from the accomplishment, but I'd rather them have to compete in a, in a class two environment um after seeing this happen a couple years in a row so i, I want to look at this from all sports so coming around on that you know i think a lot of the postseason success we've had i always say hey riverheads really gets you know sharpened by uh the steel of the shenandoah district and, and even though they finish in most sports you know in a lot of those sports, second to fourth somewhere in there in the top half good job then they go on a big postseason run I, I I just feel like I've seen that enough. I'm ready for some new teams. I know that Riverhead's competed well across the board, not just football, when they were in class two before. So I, I was looking forward to seeing that again. So if it happens that way and they stay in class two with the recommendation said to begin with, I'll be fine, I'll be happy. If they go down to class one, I know it's a lot of hate's gonna be thrown Riverhead's way, mainly at football. And um, you know it's harder to push back on after there's an appeal after this initial. Um, but if, if there's some kind of, I want to know more, I want to know more. I don't know more. I haven't talked to the ADs. I haven't talked to the superintendents or principals or whatever it is. There's a lot that goes into this. It's not just a football decision. That's what I want to remind all the crazed fans that it's not just based on Riverheads football. It's based on everything. And, and if there's good reasoning for them being in class one, I I just want to know what that is. And maybe I'll, maybe I'll look at it different, but right now how it sits, I'd be fine being in class two. And I, I kind of wish it was just staying that way. I wish that's the, the idea of the appeal wasn't kind of placed on this where, you know, this team that in the most popular sport has just been absolutely dominant. Um, I don't want there to be anything said that they're scared of going up because I know those football players aren't. I know those football coaching staff isn't. I would have to say the administration at Riverheads knows that they'd be, they'd be successful in class two and very competitive and all that. So I, I, I just that's how I view it. That's my personal opinion. But I, I'm eager to learn more about the situation.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm just curious as to the decision of the appeal as well. um, Just because also from, I know Sharando, when they go and in the latest recommendation, they were class five. One of the lower, smaller class fives. And I'm sure they're going to be appealing to go back to class four. But their reasoning behind it is going to be geography based. The schools around them are class four. Yeah, Um,
1: that's a good point.
0: And for Riverheads, it feels like a lot of the schools around them are class Two, or at least in the region, those are going to be closer schools in Class Two than Class One. Yeah, um, the closest
1: the closest Class One teams to them geographically are in Region C. Not even right. Region, yeah, right. So well, the gap. But, but you're also talking about William. Campbell, yeah, and you're talking about even further Sussex Central, and those things right. it's just all across the state. It's the you know, the big 10 versus going A. to
0: class two, where it's like central or uh right 81 draft draft. Yeah, it's it's Strasburg, you know, the the bull run district, Madison kind of in and
1: over to 81.
0: Yeah, so it just felt to me, I was like, all right, I, I don't know, I don't know what the rationale is. I maybe I'm just I'm not an AD, so there's probably some other decisions that go into that, too. Um, I would hope it's not solely because of, you know, we think our sports will do better in Class 1 than Class 2. Um, but uh, I guess we'll see what, what happens in the appeal. I think
1: there has more to it than that. I, I don't think... You yeah, I don't... Really that can't be that the official reasoning like, to the yeah.
0: VHSL. But I'm just saying, like, if it's because, well, we're so close in the classification numbers, I'd be like, yeah, okay, well, then then make them move up. Something's got to be small. Because... The line has to be drawn somewhere. And also in terms of, again, and I think this is extremely important in today's day and age where you see budget cuts everywhere to, to teaching positions and things that, you know, are actually important to schools. I think saving money on athletics when you can, being yeah. in a region that is closer geographically to you, if that means moving up, I think that's the better move. So, yeah. but we'll see.
1: I think the geography is a great point, uh, and, and we will see. And, and that's kind of where I was trying to start with that: is that hey, there there is a pathway if you want to appeal. That's what they're exercising. That's why and if, it's there. Yeah. If they belong in class two, then then that's where it'll come out. So you know, it'll be what it be, and and that's fine. Right. right.
0: Yeah. Well, I agree with you there. Um, let's move on to Patrick Heights Big questions that he had um i actually read this article and kind of planned for you to throw this in here so um i think some of these we it's touched like we've on been ourselves
1: doing this for three years together or something. yeah it's like you know
0: we <laughs> yeah we kind of know what each other's thinking a little bit um but i had you know some of these we touched on ourselves already right last week with waynesboro are they going to be able to be that second best team in the district or are they going to be able to be that third best team in the district um, yeah. And,
1: and that's, that's kind of two of the questions kind of mixed together. Like, who, who's going to finish second. Mm-hmm. And, and the way Patrick wrote that, that second question, uh, can Waynesboro live up to the hype? What a word to use right there. And, and yeah. I think it's real because everybody is kind of saying stuff about Waynesboro. They were very impressive last year. That's why Cody Elliott was high on him last week on the podcast, high on Waynesboro that they have pieces that you really think you can build forward with and they're experienced in the right places. So can they be that second place team? You know, I'd love to come into the season and be saying somebody other than draft. I haven't put my thoughts together to really have an official answer right here, but I think Waynesboro deserves to be in that competition. I do think they will live up to some of the hype. I think they, they earned that last year doing what they did in the Valley District in the second half of the season when they played all those non-district games against their old Valley District. They were so successful. I think they will live up to the hype. It still means they play Riverheads and Stewart's draft in the first three weeks of the season. And that I don't see those going their way, but week one with Riverheads with a new coach and at home and a lot of confidence, what can they do in that game to make you think, yes, carrying on here, I have more faith against Stewart's draft or something like that. That's what I'm anxious to see. I'm not predicting a Waynesboro victory against Riverheads. It would shock the world. It absolutely would. And that that's bulletin board material, I guess for Waynesboro, but it, it would be incredible for them if they're able to do that. I'm not going to predict that. I never <laughs> pick against Riverheads anyway, so it's easy for me to say that. But what can they do in that game to prove themselves? Even last year in a game where they got beat by 40-some points by Riverheads, I was impressed with Waynesboro. And so I was early on that conversation about Waynesboro last year. They stubbed their toe in a couple places. If they don't stub their toes in those places this year, they will live up to that hype. So, you know, better performances against Buffalo Gap, Um and Wilson, mm-hmm. I believe those yep. two games in particularly, they got to, you know, win both, I guess, to live up to the hype. I think they're capable of that. So I'm, I'm eager to see if they're able to do that. That will be closer to the middle of the season. I, I still think this will be the probably the best one and two football team potentially uh, early in the season. But depending on how that first game goes, maybe they're the best two and one team in the in the area.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. And. Uh you know when I think one of the other questions we touched on is draft right like they lost a lot um they've been to back to back state championship or not back to back i guess but uh two state championship they appearances been. they went back to back state in the past 3 years year, yeah last year, year the they team slipped team. up a little bit um that's true yeah. but are they going to be able to even keep that amount of sustained success because of the the losses they have I and mean, when we talked about nice and just the amount of yardage and scoring percentage he put up, and that's gone. Um, not saying they don't have other good backs there that can kind of... Both sides f-
1: the ball with him, too. Can
0: f- plug in. Right. Um, no, that's true. I mean, stewart Strauss defense, uh, I-, I felt the past two years was better than last year's, and they're losing the leader of that defense from last year, so... Yeah, I, I, you know, that is a big question, and I think that's why Waynesboro kind of gets thrown into that second-place conversation, and Buffalo Cap gets thrown into that second-place conversation with Stewart's draft this year.
1: So with Stewart's draft, just uh, my early notes for uh, looking at the season, you know, they lost Aaron Nice, the the Gabe mm-hmm. Baska kid at center, really good on the line there. Xavier Grisby, one of those kids that, can get the ball in a lot of different points on the football field, make big plays, also good on defense. Those are big losses. Um, their top returners, we're talking uh, Dawson Turner. He was the second-team Shenandoah uh, offensive lineman. The the quarterback, the young quarterback as a freshman last year, Landon uh, Graber, he's now a sophomore. He got – we saw him get a lot better during the season last year. And then you had – uh, the bell kid at wide receiver, number 20, he had some big plays late in the season, big catches. So I'm anxious to see, you know, if if he's a kind of player that can kind of go into that Xavier Grigsby kind of role. But I will say, while they lose their main guy on defense, um, and, and including also Jason, uh, or excuse me, defense, they have Troy Thompson coming mm-hmm. back as a senior. They have Deshaun Brooks, Kyle Coffey, Isaac Wood, Fannin Vance. Those are a lot of good names that we said a lot on defense last year. The high school game is built on cycling through players. It's not just built on like an NFL roster where you stick with it with years. You're going to have graduations. Sure, Aaron Nice is a big, big person to lose, but teams lose players like that all the time. I think this program is built right. So unlike seeing some teams from the past that really, maybe really kind of nosedive at some point, I think Stewart's draft is still going to be in that mix for number two. I do not expect them to just be out of the mix. Even if they have an early slip-up, even if Waynesboro is able to come on and get them early, I bet you Stewart's Draft uses that the rest of the season and, and puts that pressure behind Waynesboro the rest of the way. You know, like, you got you to keep winning. Otherwise, you know, you can't slip up anywhere because we're going to be right here with you.
0: Yeah, no, I'm not saying Stewart's Draft is not going to be the second-best yeah, team. I know you're not. I'm just saying, in, in the past, I don't think we had a conversation. I think it was Riverhead's Draft. And then who's going to be last third.
1: year, particularly last that year was, was just that was third. Yeah, who's know? third.
0: And now we're having the conversation of who's second, because now Stewart's draft is not that much. The obvious second best team in the district, at least coming into the season.
1: So you look at that question that Patrick Kite wrote there, who the impact for the new coaches, I'll tell you what. You look at the word impact and you think, well, which coach can, you know, improve on previous win record and stuff? Well, Ray Norcross <laughs> is I was gonna say impossible. the best he can do yeah. is
0: match. They haven't lost the yeah. 50
1: games. So if he loses a game ever in the season, uh, it's some kind of huge disappointment. And he's he'll be worse than the previous. Um, so I think that's an unfair mark for Ray Norcross. But moving to coach Bell. You know, this is a Stanton team that hasn't racked up the wins the last couple years. This is Coach Bell, who had been coaching the JV program through these last few coaches. So, all the kids on that varsity team that have come up through the program, which is the vast, vast majority of, you know, played for a couple years, played through the JV, they're, they're knowing who he is. And I'll tell you, the last two years, I'd heard good things about the Stanton JV team. Hey, they got some talent coming. Hey, they play They play really well down there. You know, they're a tough team. I remember last year they were in that mix with Riverheads and Buffalo Gap on who was going to be the top JV team. So I like the momentum that Coach Bell brings in for being a new coach, being that inside hire. I think they made a great hire there at Stanton High School. I like the alum coming in. I like the guy that everybody said right when that job came available, man, I hope he can get it. I hope it for him. I think he would do great, but I'd like it for him. I'm so happy that he has that job, and I think he has a great chance to improve on that win-loss record. What was Stanton last year, three and seven? I, th- I think he has a chance. I think yeah. he has a chance. They have the same kind of schedule. Um, so I, I think he has a chance to improve on that. Now, improve on that, you know, double and make the playoffs, I, I don't know about all that. I mean, honestly, Stanton was right on the on the, on the the edge of playoffs last year, even with that uh, less-than-stellar record. I don't project them in the playoffs, but I think they could, you know, increase a win and and really build momentum that way.
0: Yeah, I agree, right? Um, I think that opener is against Covington.
1: That sounds if right. If I'm I remembering I correctly. Right in front of me if I just scroll down to the right place. They have the first week by because they're not playing Wilson week one like they had scheduled last oh, okay. year. okay, yeah, that's um, right. So that moves to the end of the season as it ended up being last year. Uh, but, yeah, they're going to open up at Covington, who might not have enough players to play. Um, I heard right now, the last I heard, they were playing. So that is probably good for week two that they would still still be in the ball game. But I think they were in the 20s with the amount of players on the team. So open up at Covington and then host Page County. Um, last year they won two both games, those games.
0: Yeah, they, those are yeah. two games you can win. And I think that's going to be – look, with a new coach, obviously it's, it's key to get the players to buy in. And early success helps. So if he yep. can get those first two wins, get kids to buy in, then when you start to get to the, you know, quote-unquote meet – and potatoes of the schedule there with the a yeah. district, like it's going to be tough sledding. It's it's Fort Defiance, and then Fort
1: Defiance is the biggest hope. But then you're looking, can we knock off Wilson? Yeah, there can is you beat that a mid-season, Wilson. right? There's that mid-season North district against Harrisonburg that they was only a sixteen nothing ball game last year. Mm-hmm. I don't think you go into that game just assuming it'll be the same. But there's sure. something there with that team, with that rivalry that. I think you opened the door there, especially after what happened last year. No one, they were three and seven, still being that close to Harrisonburg. I think that is a game you kind of have circled on your schedule as, as an opportunity.
0: I would agree, and I think uh, it's going to be, you know, we obviously we're wishing all the coaches in the area the best and the most success they can have. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. We want them all to surprise us. You know, I remember Fort Defiance a couple years ago. I think that's a team, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's hard to come up with, that positive spin question that Patrick Kite's looking for in his article there, uh, talking about these things, and and, and focusing on Fort Defiance, like it's hard to have that positive spin. But right here, I'll, I'll say it: Fort Defiance a couple years ago surprised all of us and and had, you know, two great seasons. That first one surprised us, not getting those wins. You know, I, while I won't predict that this year, hey, who's to say what can happen for any of the teams in this district? Who can be that Fort Defiance from a couple years ago that surprises you and sees what you can do? And, and, you know, Fort Defiance looking for multiple wins this season. Last year, they beat Rockbridge County, a team that finished far ahead of them in power points and, you know, compare compared victories and all that. You know, they they knocked them off. So can they find, you know, another win like that this year or, or two? And, uh, you know, they, this is a team they open up with Turner Ashby. That's a team that they've historically played tight. And then there's Liberty Bedford, who they, they lost by a lot last year to them. But that's not some program that I just assume is just – 42 points better than everybody. So I'm eager to see what Fort Defiance can do. Um, you know, a local update. This is a, it's supposed to, be able to have a couple updates from former guests of the Yak Sports podcast. But Big Mike Herndon, uh, the Riverheads graduate who went to Pittsburgh, uh, ended up getting signed by the Saints and had some preseason uh, down there and, and then uh, moved on from football from there. Um, he's coaching over at Fort Defiance. So that's, you know, uh, you know, that Riverheads coaching or Riverheads influence spreading out in the county. I think that's a great thing for Fort defiance to be added to that staff that there's a lot of great guys over that Fort Defiance staff. So I'm, I'm eager to see, you know, can they get that turn back around this year at Fort defiance, but also using what they did a couple of years, an example for a team like Stanton, um, you know, that can jump up. And, and Waynesboro is the other example of that. Waynesboro did that last year. They, they jumped up. And so who can do that this year? Who can surprise us?
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Um, it's going to be interesting to see who that team is that will surprise us. Um,
1: Man, you can tell I'm ready for football season, can't you? I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm and I just, <laughs>
0: I just... I know we got a se- season preview, and
1: yeah. I just don't want to... We just hit a lot a of it, and we'll record. say a lot of that again, and we'll say it on the radio. But, I mean, those are the storylines, and that's what I love about high school football. That's what I like about all these football seasons that we're waiting to have started. They're going to get on the field and play, and that's, and that's just the best. It's not, you know, it's not make believe forever, you know, it's not that you don't care about the regular season, like in the NBA or something like that. Like, as soon as they're playing, you're caring about every snap of the football and I'm I just, man, I'm looking forward to it. If you want a little taste of uh, high school football action, there's there's some scrimmages this week. Everybody's scrimmages on Friday, so um, I'm sure you know how to find where your team's playing um, and what time. Uh, a couple home ones, Waynesboro's hosting sh- uh, Charlottesville, and I think Buffalo Gaps host in like a jamboree situation. So those are a couple that are happening inside the county. Uh, Riverhead's only traveling up to TA. Um, so not too far there. So um, get out there. If you, if you have the taste of it like I do, get out there Friday.
0: No. Um,
1: <laughs> you don't have the taste for it. you go going to Long John's instead, huh?
0: Yep. Um, My dad had a
1: positive review of the Lawn John's fries uh, this week. So I was really,
0: I, on. I yeah. can't give that endorsement so that's different
1: (laughs) i finally i finally find someone yeah i have never
0: i've never ate long john's fries and been like man this has been enjoyable um
1: i told my dad i said hey the good thing about those fries you thought they were good and nice and crisp and three years you can go back and eat eat the fries from the same grease if he got
0: crispy ones i am a little worried on why they're crispy because i've never gotten them crispy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> never ever in the history of long times unless he only got fries and then i don't know
1: no no i know i know his order uh it was you know this is why we were getting some different fast food together today and he was evaluating the price of my choices as a grown a grown adult you know sure. three kids he's analyzing what i'm spending my money on mm-hmm. and uh then he goes into his Long John's story, and immediately I was like, so how much did you spend on two pieces of fish? And so we we had that discussion.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's great pieces of fish. That's is, the good part of the meal. Yeah. That's some quality <laughs> fish right there. Probably straight out of the ocean. But yep.
1: How so. the, how'd the Valley League wrap up?
0: Well, Charlottesville ended up winning it all this year. Uh, they beat Woodstock and were Crown Valley Baseball League champions again. Um I think that's 3-5 and five for them. It's usually them, or Strasburg. There. Yeah, it's usually them or Strasburg. Yeah, it's usually them or Strasburg. Those are the two teams that it almost seems you can pencil those two into the championship every year. Strasburg didn't make it to the final this year, but Charlottesville got it done. They won, and uh, hats off to them. Again, we, we announced the All-South team last week, or shared it with you. We didn't announce it. We, we shared it with you um, from... <laughs> From the the Valley Baseball League. I announced who my votes were. Um, But, uh, yeah, I – all credit to Charlottesville. They had a pretty good team there at the beginning of the year. It looked like this was going to be one of their worst years ever, maybe. But then they – them and Strasburg in particular are two teams that just never stop recruiting. And so toward the latter part of the year – Yeah, toward the latter part of the year, they got some really, really great players to come in and just – absolutely changed the production on the offensive side of the ball in particular. And uh, that, that made all the difference for Charlottesville.
1: Somehow I'm looking at the standings from a year ago. Google failed me here.
0: They were good Um, last year. They got knocked out early. It was a surprise.
1: Well, I I mean, I'm never going to be rooting for the Charlottesville team, but you got to credit them they do the hard work of getting the players in the good players in and, and more times than not, they're making the most of it. So even with the early, you know, I remember listening to a couple of Stanton games against Charlottesville. Um, well, I was listening to you cover them and uh, yeah, it's there. I was happy to beat them. And that's, and that's how, you know, you have that, you know, the respect for that team when I'm happy in June that my Stanton Braves are beating them. So th- there's that respect. and And then they go on to, to own that respect and win the championship.
0: Right. So I went to Camden Yards this weekend. Uh got to watch the O's nice. beat up on your Pirates on hey, Saturday. We
1: came back and got the third game on Sunday.
0: So. Yeah, we won two out of three in the thirtieth anniversary celebration at Camden Yards. I was actually at the official thirtieth anniversary celebration, got a cool shirt out of it. Um nice. got to see You also
1: got to see a O'Neal Cruise home run. That's what I was most about. That was about.
0: the only home run of the game, yeah. But then I got to see Adley get hits. Um I got to see my least it's favorite two Oriole. That game, didn't he? Yep, got to see my least favorite Oriole, Brett Phillips, get an RBI double. Um, It was was a fun game. Um, Jorge Mateo made a fantastic play at short to silence the Pittsburgh fans that were there. Um, They thought they were going to come back. It was like runner. They were down two or three at the time. And there were runners on first and second with nobody out. And then Jorge Mateo makes a diving play to get a ball going up the middle and turn a double play. And that kind of silenced the Pittsburgh people uh, around us. And um, I made sure to let them know that the double play happened um, and that they weren't going to win and they didn't. Uh, but then we also, that was a fun game. and It was, they did like the top 30 moments in Camden Yards history. So it was particularly like Orioles history, the last 30 years at home. Uh, and it was cool to see some of those, old uh Orioles highlights um you know thinking about 90s baseball and that's me and uh one of the friends i was sitting next to just kept talking about i was like gosh when i look at these names it just the BJ Surhoffs and the Chris Hoyles and yeah i was like gosh i love that team that team was so much fun Man, and 90s Greg baseball Olson, yeah. a little earlier, a little yeah. Greg Olson. Yeah
1: earlier earlier yeah, Greg Olsen Billy Ripken
0: then you had you know the <laughs> Cal Ripken breaking the streak Consecutive yeah. game streak, uh, the streak ending, uh, the playoff games.
1: When they had Roberto Alomar, and they right? Yeah.
0: Salary. Oh man, Alomar. Yeah, we don't talk about Palmero. Um, he's Bruno what about, status. What about the
1: boy? You know, uh, Brady Anderson. Yeah,
0: he's Bruno status too. Um, <laughs> but
1: I talk about Brady. <laughs> um, <laughs> Fifty home runs, wasn't it? Forty nine. Yeah, just out of the blue.
0: <laughs> Nothing weird there. Um, what happened? <laughs> Yeah, just really seeing the ball well. Um,
1: (laughs) You look like a balloon out there. Him or the baseball?
0: But (laughs) it was cool to relive those moments. And then, like I said, you know, some of the recent success and recent games, um, you know, like the game two of the ALDS in 2012, a game I went to, like, I was like, oh, man, I was there. That was cool. And then I think number two moment, out of the top 30 was the double by Delman young, uh, against the tigers in that AL DS game, which was just so much fun in 2014. Um, and that is, I mean, that's, you know, the guys were like, wow, that's number two. And I was like, honestly, like guys, you're, we haven't won a world championship since we've been to Camden yards. Like it just, yeah, the, the world series was one while they were still at Memorial Z. I I was like, that probably is the one of the biggest moments in the history of the stadium. Like that's probably the biggest win inside the stadium. Um, Clinch Miss was on there. Ubaldo was one of the guys they trotted out. They trotted out some old Orioles and some of them like that were announced as like, okay, this is sad um, that he is one of the guys we invited back. But, um, like in Ubaldo, like that's one, like I laugh. Because most of the time Ubaldo was in Baltimore, it was just a nightmare, and I hated him. But he did pitch the game where we won the division in 2014 for like the first time in close to 20 years. And so I was like, you know what? Sure. Bring him out. Like, um, and it was funny just to see some of the other guys that they bring out and are part of the team. Um, Rodrigo Lopez was one of them that was like, He was an ace on that staff for a few years, but that was when the team was absolute, just awful. And you're just remembering Rodrigo Lopez and you're like, man, okay. I guess. I I just, I don't know. (laughs) Cedric Mullins was one of the guys that got called out during the ceremony to come out and he's like still playing. (laughs) It was
1: just like, God. Um, well, that's cool. I mean, and it's cool to be there for the 30th anniversary. Oh, you know, sure. I, I've yeah. Been there a couple of times, and it is the greatest. And, and you know, what they always reference what that stadium did, it kind of changed how owners and, and, and organizations looked at their stadiums and what they wanted to do. And you had so many stadiums from the 70s still around there, coming through the 80s mm-hmm. into the early 90s, that were the multi use stadiums, and they're just the big round thing. And you had them all in like Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, and, um, a bunch of places, Philadelphia, and, you know, for them to change, they change the game by doing that, building a baseball only stadium and really having a lot of character to it. And, you know, some of their standing room only situations and what they have and and other school, other teams have learned what they did and like use that and, and, and made their efforts to improve. And there, there is places that have, some cooler things going on in the open concourses where you can see the field from anywhere you go, and all that's cool. But then everybody still comes back to Camden's the best. Camden is just it because it was first, it gets that respect. But even still, even without those newer upgrades that that are cool, it still holds its own. So I, I think that's the coolest thing about uh, Canyon Yards. It's, you know it's nice, and I know there's a lot of baseball stadiums across the whole all of Major League Baseball. You know everybody's bought into that effect. In they made a lot of good ones, but when you look at the list of the top stadiums in baseball, you, you see Camden, you see PNC, and, and PNC's my favorite team's mm-hmm. ballpark, and I've been there many times, and I love that. And the city, you know, the view, uh, you don't have that bowl closed in. You can see the, the river and the view and all that. Like, it's cool to be in the same region as, like, a couple of these really nice ballparks. Nationals Park gets a lot of love. Um, so it's cool to just be, you know, within driving distance of, of these better places. And, you know, I, I think whenever people talk about the best stadiums, you know, without factor in years and years of history, when you throw Fenway and, and um, uh, Wrigley in there, which, you know, I think Wrigley probably better so. Fenway uh, is probably a dump, but, you know, it's just oh, the it history. Oh, it is. I mean, it's history, just the history. That's, that's the
0: only movie. reason it's ever included in a near, not 30th, or, well, Tropicana yeah. still exists, so not 29th, yeah. but...
1: Once you get past that, you know you're always hearing PNC and, and Camden first. So, you know that's I think that's awesome, and and having been to you know those stadiums multiple times each, it's it's awesome. So
0: yeah.
1: Um. Um. Oh, other baseball news trade deadline.
0: Well, I mean, before I get to that, you know, just talking about Saturday, like I will oh. say this goes off to something we talked about earlier. Like my not love for live shows.
1: Okay. Okay. I'm post game concert. In, hit me.
0: Post game concert who was it? It was Smash Mouth
1: <laughs> It was somebody too. I remember seeing that Smash Mouth and Drew it. Hill uh, uh, Cisco and, yes, and, and
0: Cisco Hill. was performing <laughs> with Drew Hill. They were actually like their problem was their problem was they had stuff turned up too loud to where like there were parts that was hard to hear what they were saying or singing like i and I'm just not familiar with a ton of Drew Hill songs.
1: What's With Cisco and and his group with Drew Hill, you you, might have been better off.
0: They were better. They were better.
1: No, but you might have been better off not understanding everything they were
0: saying. Oh, maybe. I don't know. Um, (laughs) The dancing was much better. They put on a better show. Smash Mouth. One, it's not the original lead singer because the original lead singer had a meltdown um, the last time he was on stage. And uh, threatened to kill everyone in the audience. uh, So that was apparently a deal breaker for the rest of the band. uh, And they replaced him. Um, Gotta have some
1: standards,
0: you know? I, it was just... Okay, so they come out, and I don't even remember what the first song was they sang, but it was one I recognized, but was not like... Not,
1: hey, now you're an all-star? Right,
0: not one of the hits. Not one of the hits. It was not one I recognized, but not one of the hits. And then he just goes, you know, like, How about the Orioles? Thank you, Baltimore. Let's go, home. And I was like, all right. Like, come on, dude. I want to go home tonight, so... And... Then he goes, "We're going to take you to California," and sings a song that I think is a new song. I don't know; I never heard it ever. And I was like, "This is a mistake." Like, Stadium so you
1: don't have a top fifty of Smash Mouth? Songs oh my god!
0: Yeah, no, I could. I don't even know if I could give you a top five. Um, <laughs> but the stadium is silent, and I am <laughs> laughing. Like, <laughs> I am up there laughing with my friends. I'm like. Honestly, if if the crowd just broke out in the "Let's Go O's" chant and drowned them out, that would be the only thing that could make this funnier. Like, or we want All Star and just start clapping. But so he goes from that to at one point, like, "Never Gonna Give You Up" by Rick Astley gets sung by this by Smash Mouth, and I was like, okay, I guess we're just out of songs. And then he finally gets to like the Smash Mouth songs, you know, like uh, might as well be walking on the sun. Uh, I'm a believer, and then All-Star. And then they get off the stage. And I was like, honestly, like that needed to be a three-song performance yeah. and get the hell off the stage. Like,
1: What was it all together? Like an hour of... Ah,
0: uh, uh, it's hard to tell because there was probably at least 30 minutes between the end of the game to them... Uh, It was probably closer to an an hour after the game before Smash Mouth started. And then about 30 minutes between Smash Mouth and Drew Hill, which I didn't think was necessary. I would have liked for that to have been a quicker transition. Um, But yeah, I just, at the end of it, I was like, I didn't know any of the Drew Hill songs that were performed, but I liked their performance better just because I thought they had a better energy, um, they did a better job. The synchronized dancing was cool on the stage. I was like, all right, I'm in, I'm in like high fives all around. Cisco at one point was like, I don't usually do Cisco songs when I'm doing a Drew Hill show and everyone gets excited. And then like maybe 15 seconds of a Cisco song. That's not the thong song. Um, So a song, I don't know by Cisco. And then it turns into a DMX tribute, which was fine. Um, But then it's back to Drew Hill and just some other former singers from Drew Hill that are grew up in Baltimore and also from Baltimore. So
1: that's that's why
0: they were there. Uh, Yeah. So, and that was, it was fine. Um, But yeah, that was like the when smash mouth was performing. I was like, I wish Leland could be here so I could just tell him like, this is why I hate live shows. Like
1: I remember watching like an Orioles game a couple weeks ago and they had that, like a commercial between, you know, innings that was like, August eighth, you know, or whatever whatever the date was, August says, 6th. Again, you, yeah. you know, like uh Smash Mouth candy Arts, yeah, post-game concert. You know, I was like, Smash Mouth and Cisco, let's let's go, yeah. Yeah, because it was um, an
0: I love the nineties thing. So. so
1: Yeah, and that's fine. I I will say, like in my argument against you about like live music and stuff, you know, go into a Smash Mouth or Cisco songs probably not what I would have pushed you towards of like, hey, this is why live music is great. I wouldn't have used them ever as my example for that but hey you're up there laughing you're making jokes with your buddies and stuff like that's that's part of it of the live music thing that i like is that shared experience stuff and and seeing stuff and and seeing the stuff that you're not you're not going to sit around and listen to a cd and like make crack jokes with your friend or something you know like i think now we will it's part of a bigger experience (laughs) bigger experience you know with thousands of people as as well as your friends and hearing the reactions from the crowd and and, and having the thought, man, it'd be funny if the whole crowd just drowned these guys out. Like, I think that's part of it. Even when it's not great or perfect, like, it's still it's still that. I think that's a big factor for me. That's why I like going to Virginia Tech games is that shared experience and being being in the middle of it. So, I mean, I, I hear your point, but I just don't agree with it about live music. So, I, yeah, I I don't know. Having been to a concert with you that I thought we all really enjoyed, I think that's what really threw me when you first
0: told me. Yeah, well, but that was a smaller venue
1: and – well, I heard that one guy didn't strum quite perfect that one time. So it's just it was ruined for you, I guess. No,
0: I enjoyed that show. It's just the other, a lot of the other shows I go to, I, I guess I just.
1: I do tend to only go to concerts I really want to go to. Like, that's why I've seen Chris Stapleton multiple times. That's why I've seen Brad Paisley multiple times. I don't think like, I'd, I'd don't... go
0: to, I like those artists, but I don't think I'd go to any, either one.
1: I, know, I really, I mean, Chris Stapleton's like my favorite country artist. So like, it's, yeah, it was easy for me. Uh the Pearl Jam concert was awesome. So I don't know. I yeah, I've really gone to a lot Jam. of concerts of like people I really really listen to a lot on the perfect version on C D and, and
0: Yeah. Uh, well guess, and I guess that's CD fair, anymore. right? Like we're our
1: agent ourselves, right? Yeah, um, Spotify. Yeah, on the Spotify. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> that's why like I, I have seen Billy Joel multiple times and I love seeing Billy Joel still and Yeah. The the Steel Drivers was good and I, I've seen an, another bluegrass band or two that I like but the bluegrass ones in particular are like smaller venues that I think that's why I like them.
1: Sure. And I, I, I do get the smaller venue stuff. I, I, I,
0: I would not. And maybe that's just part of like, I don't know. Maybe that's me saying I'm old. I don't know. I just like, that was the one part of like being in the stadium. And there was some other stuff going on during the smash mouth show that I was out. I will tell you later that I was like, okay, I wish we hadn't had to watch that. But, um, it was just... Smash
1: Mouth play music?
0: Well, yeah, in addition to <laughs> Smash Mouth playing music. that was just like, all right. Um, and it was just, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it, that reminded me, like, when I'm around... So, I guess, and this is maybe part of it, right? Like, when I'm going to a Billy Joel show, I know I'm going to be... I'm a huge Billy Joel fan, love all his songs. Well, not all, but, like, 95% of the songs. Chances are I'm not going to hear two. Maybe I hear one song I don't care for but that's probably it. Um, when I go to other shows and be like, I'm going to hear some songs I just don't know or don't care. And...
1: This was also like, you were already there. It wasn't like you... effort. Also
0: true. That. I am never like, going to go... Yeah. Yeah. Well, and he was it's like, Andrew. that was the other hilarious part of the endeavor, right? Like, near the end, in between songs, like, before, because it's not just the last 3 rat a right-a-tat-tat. But... It was like, you know, we're going shows coming up in Vegas and Peru, and I was like, oh, "Peru is going to be so disappointed." Um, I don't think Peru knows there's been a lead singer change in Smash Mouth. Um, they're going to be like, "That guy does not look like the lead singer." Uh, but well, and then the other funny thing that he says that you know is, I don't know. I guess highbrow humor. I don't know, but he's like oh, you think it's hot here? Like, we got Peru coming up. It's going to be so hot down there. And I just, like, around my friends, I was like, it's actually winter in Peru, so I bet it's not hot. Like, I bet it's going to be cold in Peru. And my (laughs) friends go, he's going to show up in shorts and tank top and freeze to death. And I was like, well, at least we'll be spared from another one of this, I guess. But it was just, to contrast the second song they performed to, like, I'm a believer and all-star, like, where the whole stadium is singing along. I'm like, do you see what happens when you just play the ones that people know and don't like check out
1: our new song or whatever? I was like, I didn't, you didn't, you didn't didn't walk in. No one came to
0: Camden Yards being like, man, I hope Smash Mouth surprised me was surprises me with some new tunes.
1: Deep tracks only.
0: Yeah. No, said no one ever.
1: (laughs) It is. Uh, The high in Peru today was
0: 64. So, yeah, not hot. Gosh, I hope he does not know that when he gets there.
1: Not hot. Yeah, I hope he goes. I almost
0: want to look up when they're going to be in Peru and then, like, just look at their Instagram or Twitter and just see what he's wearing and see if he survives. Um, Just because also Peru's going to be high altitude. Like, that's going to be a not fun trip if he is showing up in – Shorts and like take of rooting for just an harm. illness, just pneumonia.
1: <laughs> When's the thirteenth Saturday?
0: They're going yeah. to Peru this Saturday.
1: Yeah, sixty-three is the high. I love. I love. So not going to get that goal. Ah, uh, uh, that sucks. 57 sevens the low. That's so probably that's not, not good day. enough
0: that's for pneumonia. Thing. Yeah, that's disappointing.
1: <laughs> All right, let's talk about the trade deadline. Talk about disappointing so as y'all know our listeners and you joe i've been a touch on the like padres bandwagon i'm not gonna say i'm fully on it but i just like for a team that is eager to win i've kind of rooted for their success because they had been down you know they're doing it the way of signing free agents they they have been as a fan of theirs i'm sure they are happy that their team is committed to winning they you know Tripled their payroll in a matter of four years. I took a, a picture of their graphic while they're in Sunday Night Baseball uh, last night, and they went from like 70 million in payroll in 2017 up to 94, up to 97. Uh, I guess back down to 67, but then boom, 174, 211, like just absolutely blowing the door out with money. It's not the way I like baseball teams to do. I like teams that build up and. You know, maybe they add that piece that they need or that picture down the stretch or something like that, um, you know, or, or sign somebody, you know. But those big splashy gets is, is not the way I like it. But I will say, as a fan of a terrible team with a terrible organization where people think it's awesome to show up with a shirt of sell the team and get a picture with the owner, like it happened in Pittsburgh this last week. That was kind of awesome. Um, you know, I, I appreciate that, that the Padres are trying to win. And they did that by getting Soto right at the deadline from the Nationals. Um, I think the reason to like it the most is that, yeah, sure, that they want to win, but the, the Dodgers didn't get him. And, and apparently he was going to the Dodgers or going to the Padres. So I'd much rather him be at the Padres, make that division, continue to be interesting, even though the Padres have a lot of work to do to, you know, secure a playoff position. They're on that wild-card line and and lots to play there, and you're dealing with those teams from the other divisions for that. So uh, – It'll be interesting. The Soto trade is is weird. You know, this is a young all-star. He's still only, what, 22 or something? Like, you don't see players of that quality, that young, get moved like this. And, um, you know, as in a trade. And he still has these next – he has this postseason and then two more years. So, they're going to have him for three postseasons. So, even though they gave up good scout, good prospects – they're going to have him for 3 they control him for the next 3 post seasons that they hope to be in great for them and i would have to think they're confident in re-signing him to san diego to the south southern california market um with with all of that means so uh, it made sense i'm fine with them getting him but i am like kind of you know closing my book on my um i don't want to say the word bandwagon but my like shared pleased that of their success and hoping that they can be the non-Yankees and the non-Dodgers um, because they're buying right into that that process. So I, I'm going to kind of close that book on that maybe in a couple months. Um, But, uh yeah, it's just they're doing too much. And, you know, a year ago they added some pitchers, and, and we kind of thought, hey, this is them saying this year bust, this year bust. We were wrong. I mean, they're
0: – Yeah, I don't know where San Diego's year. getting the money. They're, huh? I don't know where San Diego's getting the money. It seems like a- – Sudden influx of cash. Coke's
1: a hell of a drug, Joe. I mean, people buy it.
0: Yeah, it may be. (laughs) They have done much better in attendance. And speaking of attendance, you know, Baltimore, their success being within a game of the playoffs as of going into Sunday. I think they're two games back now, um, coming into today. But that was the second largest crowd outside of Opening Day. Was the only one larger at Camden Yards that, and I believed it. It was packed uh, at Camden Yards Saturday, and. So that's not that's...
1: a great sign, though. Like, I mean, it's nice that they're getting it now, but like that, I think, shows how good a fan base Baltimore Yeah, was. you just got to put, put a winner.
0: You just got to put a winner on the field. put a
1: winner out there. But look at Houston. Richard Justice was on Tony Kornheiser this last week, and he says they still have attendance issues. Now, their TV numbers are great, but they have attendance in the stadium issues, and they've won a World Series and been to, what, three World Series recently? Sure. And, um, you know, whether they earned that – Fairly or not, but they've still been there. That's what fans get excited for. Fans, the fans of that team are going to look past all that, and they're still having problems filling the stadium on the regular. Um, you know, during the regular season. So, I I worry for that with Baltimore. If they continue this upward swing, I'm worried those fans aren't going to be back like like they are expected because because um, of how long they've been down here. So it's just something to watch. And Richard Justice was Richard Justice was making this point. I'm yeah. I'm reiterating what he said, and and it's interesting because. You know, in a lot of ways, you compare you've compared what Baltimore's doing and has done to the Houston Astros and, and using that as what you hope they can get to. Um, it's interesting that they're still having attendance issues down there, even though they've been so successful.
0: I would say that Baltimore has been a baseball town. Up until the Ravens recent Super Bowl success. I would never have classified Houston as a baseball town. So I think part of that might just be, I don't think that culture is there. I think Mm -hmm. the culture is there in Baltimore. Also, Baltimore has, just frankly, a a larger area of solid population to draw from. There are still folks in D.C. that like the third
1: biggest market. Houston's a huge market. Yes,
0: but outside of Houston itself, there's not going to be a lot of people in that area. Baltimore draws yeah. from Baltimore. They still have fans in D.C. They have fans in Northern Virginia, all over Virginia. They have fans up in Pennsylvania, Southern Pennsylvania. Like there are Orioles fans in I don't multiple know, the states point- that they can draw from. Whereas Houston is, it's the Houston area, or you're not getting fans. It's not a national point that or a regional team. One of the points team.
1: that Justice made to that to that kind of point, that rebuttal from him was. Well, here's these people that because they've been so terrible, they've they've not gone to games and they've learned they can live without going to games. And that's how they relate it in Houston is like, OK, their TV numbers are good, but going to the stadium still not what they think it should be. Like, will will Baltimore have that similar parallel? Like, yeah, we're from, you know, down in Virginia. So like we didn't make the effort for five years there to go to a game. And, you know, we didn't really bother us too much. And we'll you know, maybe we'll only go to one game instead of like four, like you know, we did when I was a little kid or, you know, my dad used to always take me, but you know, I can take my kids less because, you know, I learned to live without it. And so I, I don't know. I mean, it's not, it's we'll not, see. Like I mean, be- I, the attendance yeah. is much you better
0: want- this year. Like since Adley has been called up, the attendance has been much better. I think there are okay. young, exciting players there. And again, I think it's a, I think it's a fan base thing. I think Baltimore has always had a great fan base. It's just not shown up to watch a team that's destined to lose a hundred games. And when they feel like their guys that they love are always getting shipped out, they're not going to show up. There is a new GM. The plan has been communicated with the fan base. The fan base understands the plan. And while the clothes are being traded away and Trey Mancini being traded away hurt, a lot of fans, it still brought fans to the park. They still know Adley is there. They've seen other guys guys get called up recently. We did win tonight. They beat the Toronto Blue Jays in a huge game. That, that, that. Honestly, this Blue Jays series is a huge series.
1: Yeah, it is because the wild card. I mean, they'll be if they can win this series. If you can win is, this series, you are, are absolutely cool.
0: right there, and you have played one of the tougher teams that you have remaining on your schedule. the The Orioles actually have one of the easier schedules remaining of the teams in the hunt, which kind of gives me some hope that maybe they're not going to be out of this, and maybe they're not fool's gold. Um, but I. I <laughs> Yeah, we'll see. And the other thing there too is the Astros were involved in a very public scandal on cheating, and maybe maybe that turned a lot of people off. And they're like, "Well, I don't, I don't know how much of that is involved." I don't. I, I also just never imagined Houston as a place that really loves baseball.
1: I mean, it's Texas. I mean, it's, football's first in Texas. I, I'll, I'll say that. I'm. I don't know. It'll be interesting. I, you know, listening to Richard Justice say it, who knows what the heck he's talking about. Yeah, um, you know, it weighs on my mind. But yeah, you make some points. Um, but
0: also, this right. this is the other thing that's going to help the Orioles. A lot of those Nationals fans, there are some diehard Nationals fans. I think Jeff, yeah, the, who listens to this podcast, diehard Nationals I, fans. But there's yeah. a lot of casual ass Nats fans that jump ship, go, or I like both teams. No, you don't. Pick one and get the hell out of the other. <laughs> but there's a lot of casual-ass Nats fans that now that they traded Soto and Scherzer and Redone and, and everybody they loved, everybody they loved. So that's why I like the Nats. They're not afraid to put a winner on the field and spend money. Well, now look who's coming back to Camden Yards.
1: I will say, though, I mean, look at – after Houston won – they only all they have left is uh, Altuve. That's the only guy really left from there. Oh, that's right true. Because like, Korea's gone. It's hard to keep these yeah. teams together. It is hard to keep these teams. I'll give the Nationals a little credit there. Um, they got a lot of good prospects back. So I'm I'm just hoping this isn't like they're going to be down. Obviously, they're down this year. They're going to be down next year. But I'm I'm hoping there starts to be a peak. I hope they don't have to go as low as the Orioles have gone. But back to your point. Yeah, you're going to have some of those national fans that are not diehard national fans. Yeah, they're probably going there because they're winning and maybe they live a touch closer to them. But yeah, we'll drive a little bit further here for Baltimore uh, because they're winning and they're playing the Yankees and that kind of stuff. But I mean, that's that's what you just need to have is crowds comparable to when Boston and the Yankees come in on the other weekends at Baltimore. And, that, and that'll tell the tale. And, and and I think you'll see closer to that. I just, it'll be interesting to see the overall fan Come back if 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 the wins come back. Like like it looks like they're coming.
0: Yeah, and I hope I hope the crowd stays there. But and the other thing with the Juan Soto trade is right. Like I think the oh, Nats yeah, were between a rock hard. and a hard place. Yeah, I think they could have maybe offered more millions per year, but the owner is not really invested in the future of the team all that no, much. No, right he's now. to sell. He's it. trying to I sell, sell it. Did the, the, um, they did
1: the new owner a favor. The new owner doesn't have to come in and make this move.
0: Yeah, it also, a little bit, though, does ding the value of the team. That is a superstar that is no longer in your organization. And I absolutely agreed with a baseball writer whose name is escaping me right now. There is no way for the Washington was Nationals. Is it,
1: no. no. was it Buster only? No. Is it Buster only? was not Buster on? only. Oh, okay. um, I wasn't sure. I was, I was hoping.
0: There is absolutely no way the Washington Nationals can win the Juan Soto trade they can just minimize the damage. That's the only thing they can do. None of the guys they got, none of the guys they got are going to be a Juan Soto. None of them. Now here's the other thing. Did the Padres give up a lot? Yeah. But the Padres still have one of the best farm systems in baseball. Yeah. And that's, I guess that's the good news. If you're the Padres, even if you can't sign Juan Soto, because it's probably going to take $500 million to do it. And there's probably only two teams in baseball that can afford that. And unfortunately it's two of the teams I hate. So um, I, I, yeah, I just, they've got three years with him. They've got some more time with Manny. They've got time with Tatis. Although we'll see if Tatis is the same player when he comes back from injury. Cause that's a pretty bad wrist injury. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. They've got some good pitching there. The, I think the biggest problem with the Padres in making that move, I don't know if that makes them better than the Dodgers. And, the last 17 times they have played the Dodgers, they were 15 and two or something yeah. like that or two yeah. and 15. I'm sorry. Does, yep. Yeah. The Dodgers. Okay. So then it's like 17, two and 17, I think in the last 19 then. Um, Cause that was an old stat that I saw coming into the weekend. So two and 17 or something like that in the last 19 games against the Dodgers, you can't win a world series like that. Cause that's who you're going to run into.
1: Yep. They, they got to beat them, but you, you hope, you hope adding him seeing how that meshes, not just him the bell, you know, Bell. Josh Bell's and, a good addition Eater too. that's true. Open. That's
0: the guy that doesn't get well, mentioned in the trade, but yeah, he's also they added a lot
1: right here. And sure they go right into LA the next weekend and get swept. And and that's one thing, but like, you know, mesh here for a month and see what they can do in October. I, you know, I still, I, I, I already said, I'm going to be closing the book. I'm closing the book after the season. I am still going to be kind of, Pulling for them as one of those teams from the bottom that rise up. But, yeah, it's, it's not going to continue past that because they're just doing this too much.
0: But since you brought um, him up, since you brought right. him up, and then I'll promise I'll let us move off baseball. Um,
1: <laughs> hey, John Leonard asked for plenty of baseball talk. We're giving it to him.
0: And he did mention Buster Olney um, as well. <laughs> Buster Olney wanted to come out quickly after the Orioles traded their closer and just say, this is an F, an F at the deadline for the Orioles. And I was like, cool, dude. We got a we got a good haul for Trey Mancini. The only person giving us an F on the Trey Mancini trade is Buster only, because Buster only hates the Orioles. Those the guys we got do have potential to be more valuable than Trey Mancini. I love Trey Mancini. Have potential to be more valuable to the organization than Trey Mancini. The closer trade, yeah, I'm not sure. But I also know closers tend to outside of the like elite closers, don't tend to translate great year to year. And I don't know if Jorge Lopez is that kind of elite. So, whatever. But I do know, for a guy who said the Orioles were absolutely in the tank, look at their payroll, they're not spending any money, they're obviously trying to lose, they're going to be one of the worst teams in baseball again, all of a sudden, we're a game and a half out of the wild card, and if the Yankees, who I guess I have to root for against the Mariners, win, we're a game out of the... A playoff spot. So again, I guess my point is, Buster Olney, not only are you not great at the predicting of the sport, but you're also not great at analyzing anymore, which kind of means you suck at your job. And I can't wait for the day that the Orioles do in the World Series just to watch you have to write the article. And I hope it kills you on the inside. I hope it absolutely destroys your soul. I want nothing good to happen to Buster Olney. (laughs) I don't want a single good thing to happen to him in his life. (laughs) He is
1: a troll. He is trolling you guys. There's no doubt. And then when he gets uh, in the other thing, when he
0: gets in the replies with the fans, call him out on it. He's like, I honestly don't root for teams to win or lose. And I'm like, dude, every time you mention the Orioles, it's in a negative light. Adley Rushman gets called up. Why is he wearing number 35? That belongs to Mike Musina. Why don't you shut up? Why do you have a job? There are plenty of people that are looking for jobs. That I'm sure are great writers and could learn about baseball. Why do you have a job? You're not good. You were at one point. It's like Cody Elliott
1: or Patrick Hight right now over, yeah. over Buster and what he's doing with them.
0: He was good at one point, but somewhere along the line, he just turned into a massive troll and hated the Orioles. I guess when he was at the Baltimore Sun, someone didn't treat him like he wanted to be treated. And he's held a vendetta ever since. It's weird. He's a weird dude. I don't care for him at all. And honestly, I want the Orioles to make the playoffs (laughs) just to ruin his day. That's one of those. I I, am an Orioles fan. I will be very happy for me that the Orioles make the playoffs. But there's going to be part of me, and it might be equal to maybe a smidge larger that is gonna be happy that Buster only is having a bad day if the Orioles make the playoffs. All
1: right. We talked Again, playing baseball no, I'm for just John kidding. Leonard. I hope he's I hope he's enjoyed all of it. Um let's move on to Jeff Wright's great little insight from last week. He had an article from um mm-hmm. you said it earlier.
0: Fran Frischilla.
1: Fran Fraschilla, who's Not necessarily my favorite guy, but he was talking about wanting to move the college shot clock down to 24 seconds. That would match what the NBA has down from the 35 seconds they have now. Of course, my first response with Jeff Wright, who's a huge UBA basketball fan and uh, which is great for him. They've they've done well for him. is like, of course, you don't want it to go down. You guys, you know, eat up the whole game, you know you know, not shooting until there's two seconds on the shot clock and then trying to drive the defenses to a shot clock violation every single time. Of course, you know, you're trying to score 50 points a game and win. Of course, that's what you want. Um, But I don't know if I overall agree with it anyway. I'm fine with the longer shot clock in college. I'm fine with, you know, the 70-point game, 60, 70-point games. I don't think we need to be driving this sport towards 80, 90 points a game. I don't think that's important. I don't think that makes this game better. I think there's a lot of other issues with, with college basketball that I would rather see change and maybe change back to the way it was before than messing with the shot clock right now or something like that. So that's, that's my opinion. Joe, I know you have strong shot clock opinions. That's usually in the high school level. Mm-hmm. What is your opinion on this, moving the 35 in college down to twenty four?
0: I think that's a mistake. I think there are other ways they can get it to be more like the pro game that I think are more important changes.
1: I think going to four
0: quarters instead of two halves is a more important change they could make. So Um, you
1: like that. You called women's basketball VCU this year, and they have the four quarters, and you're used to watching plenty of college basketball with two halves. You like the four quarters better.
0: I think in high school you have four quarters. I think in college you have two halves, and in pro you have four quarters. I think college is the outlier, and it doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense to have it. Um, Okay. College men's basketball right now is the only basketball I know that has two halves. So I don't know why you wouldn't go to four quarters. Um, The other thing he was advocating was drop it to 24 because that's what it is in the NBA. It's what it is in FIBA, which is the Federation of International Basketball Association or something um, or Federation of International Basketball Association. I don't know what it stands for, but um,
1: money, money surrounding basketball is what it stands
0: for. Sure. But, um, (laughs) And that was his kind of just adopt FIBA rules kind of approach. And the problem with that is you're changing the key at that point. Because anyone who watches Olympic basketball knows that is different. It's a trapezoid. That's one thing that's different. There are a lot of other things in in international basketball that just aren't the same as the pro game. I I also kind of agree with you that college basketball, there are a lot of people who like college basketball because it's not like the pro game. So I, I don't think. Getting to a 24 second shot clock is gonna help. I don't think the chuck and pray approach is is going to help college kids. Um I I do kind of feel uh, what college basketball could do is maybe get rid of the one and done rule.
1: I a hundred percent agree. To the my NBA. Number
0: NBA. I, I think if you can That's go if you can get drafted straight out of high school, dude, do you go to the NBA. But if you go to college, it's it's three years
1: from I, high school. My idea surrounding that—I think I've said it here before. I wish, I wish there was a little bit of protecting the kids from themselves. I understand yes. that. I mean, you do have protection from themselves with football. You got to go to college. You got to be out of high school three years. You do have. I mean, football is the main one. You, you, I think it'd be nice if there was some kind of just no doubt, like, these people belong on this committee. They know the NBA game. They've been around basketball a long time. You get former, you know, GMs, former owners, former players, and have, like, a a committee, and you have to go through that process. And and I'm not saying they should be tight with it. I'm not saying they should be, like, yes, you're no doubt first-rounder. That's the only way you get in. But, like, some of these guys that were going undrafted straight from high school, maybe you could save them from themselves and say, no, you know, you haven't met the criteria and proven this – and, and make sure that the D league is available for straight out of high school players, allow that to happen. But like, you know, you're, you're not, you're not eligible for the NBA. Yet. Like you have to be so good. You had to prove in something just to protect some of these kids from themselves, from just completely ignoring the option of college. Now I'm saying, keep the D league open. Maybe they're still going to ignore college and go to the D league, but at least, at least they might've been woken up to the reality of their, their ceiling here. And and I know players can develop later and maybe they're going to get some wrong. I would just rather protect the masses that we were getting. That's the reason they made the one and done rule is because you had so many kids going straight and so many just completely flailing out. And then you do have a high percentage of negative stories that come out of those those players that are just are really not good for their futures surrounding. You know, it's a negative thing surrounding your league and people coming into your league. It'd be nice to have a way to somewhat avoid that. But I a hundred percent agree that I think it was better when you could have LeBron James go, but then you had the other guys that might be a little committed to going into multiple years of college coming in and it was better. and I, I think you don't need three years, but maybe maybe make it where yeah, if you're coming to college you're you're committed to two years. I would I would like that I, It would make the college game better because you're gonna have a lot more people you know back for multiple years on those blue blood programs on those top teams. but I, I would like a little protection for some of the some of those guys that, you know, out of New York City it seemed like they were just kept producing these point guards out of New York City and none of them ever turned out to anything. But Telefair was like one of the most famous ones. It'd just be nice to protect them from 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 some of that. Now maybe Telefair still gets through but there's a high number of players in the back end that just didn't belong.
0: Yeah, um and, and you know, his other argument was, you know, America could develop more players uh, and then throws out two examples of you know like a, a Jokic or a Doncic.
1: I'm, um, I'm not understanding this point. I guess,
0: meaning like they have 24 second shot clock over there, and they start they play with the 24 second shot clock at 14. And okay, America, if they implement in college, you know, could develop more players like that. And I'm like, okay, that's two guys. But um, how do you feel about? John Morant, how do you feel about Trey Young? How do you feel about Steph Curry? How do you feel about Kevin Durant? You know, all these American yeah, players who somehow problem. who somehow went to college with a 30-second shot clock and still developed to be NBA superstars. I don't know. Maybe the shot clock isn't it.
1: Um this is always my problem though is like trying to change all these things using like one or two person examples. And I mean it's the whole Exactly.
0: Are there more players in Europe? In the NBA now, yes. Do I think the shot clock has anything to do with it? No. I, yeah, think, I, but I also think the like Dream not Team played in 92 in Spain, and Europe got to see what the best basketball players in the world look like. And they were like, you know yeah. what? That sport looks pretty fun. And then they yeah. adopted the sport and got more interest in the Look how rich those sport. guys are. Yes. Go they right. got rich interest yeah. in the sport. That's why Europeans are now having more success in basketball. But it does not mean... Because we can name two guys who are, you know, NBA superstars. That that means they're going to catch us because they have a 24-second shot clock for 14-year-olds. I want a shot clock in high school basketball. I surely don't want it to be 24 seconds. That that would be a disaster.
1: Yeah. You just need a shot clock.
0: I want a 30-second <laughs> shot clock in high school. I think 30 seconds yeah. is fine.
1: Um. Yeah, I, I agree. I am also not like sick for USA basketball that like the world is catching up to them. I, that doesn't that doesn't bother me. I still expect our dream teams that we put together to succeed. But like it doesn't No, like it's better for the sport if the world is better. So no one's trying to make their sports smaller like it, that. That argument seems <laughs> I don't know, like that. We need to be more USA centric and more America first. And I, I I don't know. I don't I don't know if that's the way we need to go here. Um. Yeah. So overall, I guess everybody, everybody's opinions that I've heard locally have been against this. So uh, I'm eager if anybody out there wants to tweet at us why it's awesome, other than Fran Fischella, If if Fran Fischella wants to tweet at us, we'll take it. But if anybody else wants to tell us why it's awesome, I just, I just, uh, I think,
0: I think that is so far down the list of things college basketball needs to be worried about.
1: I agree. All right, on to. Wrapping up this, a couple details here. Uh, we lost a couple legends this past week, and uh, the two that we'll talk about. I know plenty. There's always a lot of uh, people to talk about when they pass. Uh, Olivia Newton-John today uh, was, you know, somebody that I grew up uh, knowing who she was uh, from the old, you know, from the generations ahead of me, uh, but still had impact. But let's talk about Bill Russell first. He passed away last week, and. The reason I kind of had this on the more what's dominating my life, I really took in a lot of the discussion about how great Bill Russell was, and I'm going to kind of check myself because the arguments that we use for Michael Jordan being better than LeBron, Bill Russell has those arguments on Michael Jordan and the argument that you like to bring up in baseball about Babe Ruth and how he's playing against taxi drivers um, and so like how great are his records. Yeah, Bill Russell was playing against maybe not as mass a number of people that are great at basketball, but it was a lot less teams. So teams were better back then. And you had talent not as spread out as we have now. So I'm going to give that still a lot of credit to where I will open up discussions of who's the best basketball player. I am i got to mention Bill Russell in my conversations when I talk about it, because reviewing the st- stats, reviewing... Wilt Chamberlain's a name I bring up a lot for greatest basketball players that people don't usually throw up there because they changed the game because of him. NBA basketball changed because of Bill Russell too, and and he helped his skill and his art of the game helped define what NBA basketball is. So I am much more okay with having this discussion of who's the greatest basketball player between Bill Russell and Michael Jordan than I am going down that list. I think those are the two best, and we duke it out from there um, because but I think we can't forget about Bill Russell in these arguments. I don't think, I think a lot of times when we've had the overall arguments, the Mount Rushmore and stuff, we include Bill Russell because we, we know the game well enough, but I think these LeBron first people, they need to go back and know who Bill Russell was because he's absolute dominant force in the game, scoring the ball, including others like LeBron does getting, you know, helping teammates be better. Like people try to make the argument for LeBron, but then also defensively completely dominating basketball games and, um completely having game plans against trying to get around him. So I, I really I I will credit Bill Russell more than I used to after being reminded now of of some of those very good arguments that he's the best basketball player ever. And um uh, so that's that's something I've learned about myself this past week and, and how I'm analyzing this. I still gonna say Michael Jordan. I'm not coming off that but I was I'm, gonna I'm, say I'm allowing... I, the only yeah. thing I
0: would pick a bone at what you said was, you know, saying the teams then were better than teams today.
1: No, maybe not today, but I think, uh, you know, when you had eight team league that he played against is the talent
0: in that league more concentrated. Yeah, sure. I still would take the L.A. Lakers today against those Boston Celtics.
1: I'm not taking the L.A. Lakers
0: today's L.A. Lakers against those Boston Celtics, I will shooting take
1: Shooting up against a barn? <laughs> yes, because those
0: Boston Celtics don't know what to do if the guy starts dribbling with two hands. With both hands. If a guy can dribble with argument. two hands, I often, they don't know what to do. I often
1: bring up with your Babe Ruth stuff, is like it is hard to compare the generations. I mean, he dominated better than anybody has ever dominated sure, against their peers. Sure, that I agree with. That, so, I like, agree I with. That, that I agree with. He's a great basketball player.
0: He is a great – he was a great basketball coach. He knew the game.
1: Where you, so you're putting him after LeBron. That's the way I'm hearing you go right now.
0: I just I, – no. I don't okay. – I for me, it's Michael Jordan, and then I don't really care who else is – but <laughs> throw people wherever you want on the list. But uh, the only that, the only thing I was picking when you said okay, teams were better I hear than, what you
1: say. I was trying to make the concentration point. Maybe I didn't phrase it the best, but – for as dominant as they were, I, I, I it says a lot for how dominant. Yes, he was, he was a, a great basketball player. Team. Yes, yeah, he, he
0: was. He Bears. was the reason those teams won.
1: Yes, I agree. Um, you're going to come back. You're coming a little bit more with the argument of he wouldn't be as good in against a Michael Jordan team. He and what were those teams going against a LeBron team? I I think that's a decent enough point that I would take. Michael Jordan's prime bulls against anything I've ever seen in basketball, including today. Sure. I'll, I'll, take, sure. I'll take those prime. I agree with that, but that's
0: also a similar, yeah. like the, the difference between the NBA from the nineties to today is d- smaller than the difference, obviously from that's the true. difference between then to now. Um, yeah. But Bill, yeah. Bill Russell was a great basketball player. He is one of the yeah. greatest people to ever play the game. He did a lot for the sport. He coached the sport, was really great at it. It uh, was actually the first black professional sports coach period uh, and won a championship, um, knew the game inside and out. It was a very intelligent person. And for hearing stories of people that were talking about him after his passing, it seemed like if you were close with Bill Russell, he would absolutely be a guy who would absolutely do whatever he could to help you, but didn't really have a lot of time for nonsense and didn't care for people that, weren't close to him.
1: The, the thing I always bring up about Bill Russell is remember in 99 Major League Baseball All-Star Game when Ted Williams came out and all the players were just like, holy crap, there's Ted Williams. I You see that with these players with yeah. Bill Russell with that All-Star Games and stuff. So like that kind of, seeing those guys at that high yeah. of a level, yeah. really give that respect in his direction. There was also a quote from Michael Jordan and I think it came from when he was playing. So it was a while back, um, but it was like, someone trying to say he was the best basketball player ever. And he's like, you think you're going to get me on record saying that I'm better than bill Russell? Like he gave him that credit. And, and the same way that I, when Mike, when magic Johnson was, you know, said that Michael Jordan is the best ever. And I use that credit. I'll I'll listen to, to Jordan kind of saying it the opposite way of like saying bill Russell is. So, I mean, absolutely. I think he gets skirted over in the modern argument and I'm just, I'm not going to allow for that anymore. That's my main thing I've learned this week. That's from Bill fair. Russell's death is I'm not going to allow this LeBron Jordan argument and not Bill Russell's name be brought up. Sure. So the other legend.
0: The other legend is uh, the broadcasting legend, Vince Scully. Uh, longtime Dodgers radio and TV announcer passed away. And, you know, that's incredibly sad. Anytime anyone passes away, you know, celebrities, we kind of, praise and remember and talk about more um, just because of who they were and who they are. But I mean, Vince Scully, honestly, for me is, you know, when you think greatest broadcasters of all time, he might be number one. Um, I know a lot depends on the sport, maybe, but for my money, if we're, if we're talking all sports, Vince Scully is up there Um, just because Vince Scully was so good at what he did. And you, you, all these clips come out of, you know, old calls he had, whether it's, weaving the story into the game while he's calling it and doing a great job with that, or, you know, the comical ones of calling a play with five errors that the Dodgers make. And, you know, the caption is only Vince Scully can make this sound good. And
1: um, <laughs> <The> poetic. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but, and it's funny. And, um, but then also, you know, I was listening to uh, it was on labor. They were talking about it and I can't remember who they had on to talk about it. it might've been Dan Patrick. Um, but not only did he know the right words for the moment, but as a radio announcer too, he knew the right words to, or not the right words, but the right moments to lay out and just Get out of the way. let the yeah. moment happen. And, you know, you you hear the Al Michaels call of, I can't believe what I just saw, or the TV call uh, on the Kirk Gibson home run. But the Vin Scully, when that happens, he lays out and lets lets the audience just listen to the crowd and be able to absorb that moment um and yeah. that's really cool and i think he's done a fantastic job uh or did a fantastic job as a broadcaster and really kind of inspired a lot of the other great broadcasters and that's something that Not a lot of people can do. Not a lot of people can say. And I don't know if you'll ever have that universally loved broadcaster again, like Vin Scully. I mean, a guy like Joe Buck is either hated or loved, but there are two very distinct camps there. Um, And I just don't know if it's going to be universal love like there seemed to be for Vin Scully. You you did not find anyone with a bad word to say
1: yeah and it, i was reminded of you know some of his you know what games he called um particularly on the national audience stuff because you know mm-hmm. he'd get done with the regular season and then he'd be in the postseason he's calling world series and playoffs for the networks that are covering nbc and cbs um you know he's calling the buckner uh when the ball goes underneath buckner he's you know he's on the tv call for that um so i was reminded of, of a lot of those moments uh, hank aaron hitting his uh, 714 and all that. That's another one he you laid know, out when it
0: happened. Laid out when it happened.
1: Right. And and then when he did speak, he, he 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 knew the moment. He didn't just say, you know, great for this guy. He was talking about how it was great for the world and great for the South and, you know, all that it meant. And he took all that on and and spoke about it in a way that was appropriate and made sense, unlike how I would do in that kind of situation. And that's why I lay out uh, of, of hitting those hitting those topics probably because I just don't – I can't put it together the way that guy can. Um, and and so it was so great. But also calling some of the other sports. I mean, he, he called the catch um, for the 49ers against Dallas in the back of the end zone. He was calling that game on CBS for football. And um, there was a couple other that I just didn't realize, big moments that I know here he is doing the most popular call, the, the one that was most viewed, um, the TV audience. So I, I think that's really cool to be reminded of those in addition to the countless you know Dodger moments that they had and winning the world series in the eighties and, you know, going all the way back to Jackie Robinson and his stories, you know, specifically with Jackie Robinson and Jackie Robinson's family and, and all those are so great. Um, so it was fun taking all that in last week as well. I, I agree with you. Um and, you know, and that's one thing I, I realized about these baseball announcers, these ones that have the week job, but then on Sunday night, they're showing up on the, on the big game or they're, you know, getting pulled like Joe Morgan, um used to do and also uh ray miller out in san francisco like that was my favorite sunday night baseball crew or here's guys that you know they're loved at home but then they're coming and do the national games like i i think that's gonna make me pay attention to who's in those kind of roles going forward because you don't get as much of that um so it's interesting um yeah app two absolute legends two guys that you know are at the top of their what they did professionally and that's something to aspire to, you know, I, you know, I don't think uh, anybody's going to know who the best con, you know, construction uh, project manager or consultant is going to be, you know, people don't sit around and talk about that, but you know, it's, it's, it's cool to think about how great those guys were at their job and, and try to apply that to your life of like, how can I be better at what I'm doing? And, and then also, you know, seeing how these guys balance their life and their home life and stuff. So, you know, a lot of good examples from from what they're able to do to who I want to be. So It It was was a tough week for for icons. It was. Um, But uh, also good to celebrate them. And uh, I appreciate how Vince Gully, you know, he stepped out of the booth in, what, 16? Mm -hmm. And uh, he he went out while still being very good at what he was doing. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I've listened to some stuff from Bob Costas lately, seeing Al Michaels kind of transition. These are two guys that are in the top of uh, the broadcasting game and and knowing that their ends will come. And I, I hope they take a an understanding of how Vin Scully handled that so well that they don't out outstay their prime, you know? And not that I'm saying Bob Costas or Al Michaels is definitely in their prime still, but I hope I hope we don't see them carry on too long. I hope they take that lesson from Vin Scully because I want them remembered as well as, as they've been because that's two legends right there.
0: Right. Uh, moving on oh, to what, a- what, <laughs> what I know that you need to know The EPL has started back up. That is the English Premier League. They kicked off this weekend. Liverpool, not a great start. 2-2 draw at Fulham, which was a bit of a surprise. Uh, And so they leave points out there. Uh, Manchester City got a win against West Ham United, which was not surprising. Um, But the other big surprise, and it could have been worse for Liverpool, Manchester United ended up losing to... uh, Brighton and Hove Albion, which was a bit of a shock, and their new manager not off to a great start there at Manchester United. Um, but I think it's going to be an interesting season. Manchester City brings in uh, Hagland from Bundesliga, uh, was a player at Borussia Dortmund, scored a ton of goals there. He scored a goal already at Manchester City. He's going to be very good. He is a great addition to that club. Uh, the question is going to be: Can a team like Liverpool or someone else keep up with them? Uh, This season and be able to slow them down and keep them within striking distance and see if they can pull on top of them at the end of the season. It's still early, obviously with only one match in, but um, Liverpool starting behind by leaving two points at uh, Craven Cottage at Fulham and they've got their work cut out for them.
1: Good to know. (laughs) Uh, I hadn't kept up. I've seen the score Thing. I have it because of you. I have it pop up on my phone, what Liverpool was doing. And I guess that was that was Saturday morning. when I it was up early boy, Saturday morning, yeah. When number three, uh, the number three McRae, uh, was out on the pitch playing some soccer. There you go. Uh, you know, out there with the son of um, Coach Mickens. You know, who, his son's out there, so we were talking. Uh, I thought he was out there. He coaches so much for the Y. He, used to, he coached my daughters while he was coaching – for Stanton, he was also coaching my daughters uh, in YMCA basketball. I thought he was out there coaching soccer. I'm like, man, you coach anything, man. That's awesome. Uh, but, no, he just had his uh, son out there, which was cool. And I got to see uh, his newest addition to the family. But talking about his family, Angela Mickens, his sister, uh, she's staying in the area. She was at Bridgewater last year coaching some basketball. Uh, and now I know she is over in Waynesboro and um, doing some – um, additional support for, through a program over there, the On the Road Collaborative over there in Waynesboro at Kate Collins Middle School to help kids close the gap um, that you know that need that extra help. I love to see Angela Mick and somebody I've cheered for. You know when she was local basketball player, cheered for her because I knew she was one of the best local basketball products we've ever had, man or woman, one of the best. She goes to JMU, easy for me to root for her there and uh you know she she had her she had great times there so that was awesome but then also her coming back and coaching here i've loved that she's been on the podcast i told you this is an episode we're gonna talk about a lot of people that have been on the podcast previously i love to hear what she's doing there at waynesboro and uh seeing that it's not directly involved with sports and showing the importance of uh the educational side so I, i love that update about her um former podcast um guest for us. So I consider her a friend. She's been involved in some of our uh, online competitions and stuff. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing good things from uh, what she's doing over there in Waynesboro. I was really glad to see Patrick writing about that today.
0: Yeah, I thought that was a great article as well. And yeah, I, I'm always excited to see when local athletes of, you know have success and then come back and, and find ways to help improve the community. I think that's awesome.
1: And I think it stands out too when, when it's not necessarily sports related. I think, I think that. Right. It helps show the broadness mm-hmm. of what they're able to do and what's important and what yes. they value has built who they are. And I think that's great. I think you can take a lot of lessons from people in your community from the good things they do and, and the bad things they do. And here's just a great good thing to, to learn from and, and idolize from her. There's a lot of young kids that really looked up to, to Muff when she was around here playing basketball And uh, so I I hope those same people are growing up and and seeing what she's doing now and, and understand like, Hey, there's other ways to uh, impress people. And and this is one of them. Yep. All right. So make sure you guys are interacting with us on Twitter or Facebook at Yak sports pod. We're always eager to hear points for conversation. Uh, You know, John Leonard threw in, The VBL wrap up and the trade deadline. I think we're going to talk about that any this anyway this week, but I don't mind to be reminded there's there's been weeks we've got done recording a podcast and I go, oh my goodness, we didn't talk about that topic that happened. So always feel free to throw those out. Uh, We usually record at the beginning of the week. So if you want to throw something at us last minute, you know, Mondays are a great time to remind us of something that we should be talking about at Yak Sports Pod is a great way to find us, or even the Yak pod at gmail.com email is a great way to get us. Make sure you're telling your friends to subscribe to us on Podbean, Apple, Google, or Spotify as we'll be doing this all through these next sports seasons starting up. We're excited that the the local sports is picking up here with the VHSL uh schedules getting going here. Plenty of football to be talking about so you'll hear our voices on 1240 uh this fall, but you'll also hear it here on the podcast. So make sure you're following us on all that, interacting with us, and uh, making sure you catch us anytime we're on. We're here to talk about the sports that matter to you, the Augusta County sports fan. And we'll talk to you next week doing the same thing.
0: You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.